Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it will make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. and welcome back to Being Better Podcast. I am very happy you are here with me and I hope you are having an amazing day. And I had a lovely time last week, um, lots of learning and uh, the thing that I'm currently interested in, which, you know, changes every couple of weeks or sometimes even more frequently than that, the thing that I'm all about this week is language learning. So I've been learning Spanish for a couple of years now and I do understand a lot if you just talk to me or if I listen to podcasts or TED talks but I have a bit of a language barrier when it comes to speaking so I decided to finally get my shit together and consistently practice speaking and I am lucky to have an amazing Spanish friend or friends And one of them is helping me with that. Uh, So the goal is to meet at least once a week and talk, uh, which by the way is really hard for me and I'm a bit self-conscious about my Spanish. So having such a lovely native speaker is definitely making this whole process much easier for me. And I also have been doing some Duolingo lessons. Um, I try to do them every day. And, you know, we'll see how, how it goes, I hope. I mean, I think that I've made some progress with my speaking, but I have not been doing it long enough to, to see, like, a big difference. And the person who inspired me to finally set up this consistent uh, practice routine is Damon Dominique, uh, whose channel is going to be this week's recommendation. So Damon is an American living in Paris at the moment. He was a part of uh, the Damon and Joe channel, where he and Joe Franco made travel videos and language learning tips and all of that good stuff but then they decided to make two separate channels and I really like Damon's personality and his productions because you know he has a lot of talent when it comes to entertaining and he's very just fun to watch but at the same time he's just such a smart guy and such an insightful person and he shares a lot of these insights in his videos and also book recommendations which you know I love and, you know, coming back to languages, I got really inspired by him because Damon speaks French, Spanish, Portuguese, I think, Italian, German, and of course, English, and probably he is learning more. And, you know, as I was watching him travel and talk with natives in their own language, I just realized that I love that part of traveling almost as much as just, you know, just seeing pretty places so, you know, Damon also made me want to <laughs> come back to Paris and learn French. And I just had to remind myself that, you know, I've been learning Spanish for four years and 
I should probably finish that first and just learn Spanish first and then I can I can move on to other languages so yeah I really recommend Damon's channel and he's my uh, recommendation for this week you can find his channel in the episode description and yeah he just has such an amazing aesthetic and personality and I think if you had to watch something on YouTube I think his channel is Uh, something more productive than watching satisfying I don't know unboxings but now on to the main topic of this week's episode which as you read (laughs) when clicking uh, the play button is the question does money make us happier and I think a common answer is that you know money can't buy happiness but I don't agree with that completely and I think a lot of scientists and researchers who study the society and you know countries at different stages of development they would also not agree with the statement that money cannot buy happiness but before we get into if money does or doesn't make us happier let's talk about why it is even important to talk about it and my answer is that if you really get to the bottom of it most of what we do on a daily basis is because of the desire to acquire more money or to maintain it in our possession and of course we work because we want to get more money this is you know quite obvious and self-explanatory But we often study because of money, uh, because we either want to be able to earn it or because we don't want to waste the money that was put into our education or because we want to get a scholarship. And we also often spend money to get more money. Um, Like, for example, we buy new clothes to look better because we believe that it will bring us more financial opportunities and be more respected. And then as you are more respected it's easier for you to to earn more money and also a part of why we work out or take care of our health is because we want to maintain our ability to work and keep being employable which is also something we don't really talk about um, when it comes to you know why why we want to work out and of course let's not forget that money is a very big driving force when it comes to dating i mean for some people it's even more important than you know physical attractiveness which is if you think about it mostly against uh, the laws of biology and and attractiveness but then you can also say that it makes sense because animals look for a partner that is ideally of a high status uh, which is what money represents in the case of homo sapiens so we we seek comfort and safety which is what money represents in a lot if not all of uh, the cultures around the world but i kind of want to ask you know should it be this way and as a intelligent society shouldn't we move on to a new and improved way of managing our finances and just the whole economy and well you know that's what we're going to tackle today because as you can see now we devote a lot of our precious time on this earth chasing after money because we think that is going to significantly improve the status quo but I think that will not happen in a lot of cases and 
it is crucial to also remember that you know money isn't real as a car or a knife or a light bulb it is simply a human invention it's not a natural thing you know money doesn't grow on trees and I am, you know, all for this invention, by the way. I'm going to talk about how money influences our well-being, but not give value to the invention itself, because I think that as everything, it has its pros and it has cons. But we have to remember that, as Yuval Noah Harari put it, when we attach a significant value to a piece of paper or a computer code these days, it is simply a story that we globally believe in you know like i said money doesn't grow on trees that have extremely high value and trading it isn't a natural biological thing to do so at some point we have to ask ourselves how much should this story influence our well-being our lives or the value that we attach to the lives of others But with all of that said, now let's answer the question we are all here for. Does money bring happiness? And the answer, at least from a scientific point of view, is that it depends on how you define happiness. And there was a popular study conducted by Daniel Kahneman and Angus Deaton, who, by the way, they are both Nobel laureates in the field of economy, so I think that's impressive. So in their study, they researched how money influences our emotional well-being and life evaluation. And the authors define emotional well-being as the emotional quality of an individual's everyday experience, like the frequency and intensity of experiences of joy, stress, sadness, anger, and affection that make one's life pleasant or unpleasant. So basically, emotional well-being is how often you have pleasant feelings in a day. And life evaluation is, quote, the thoughts that people have about their life when they think about it. Uh, so if you had to rate your life on the scale of, you know, 0 to 10, um, how high would that be? So these researchers raised the question of whether money buys happiness separately from these two aspects of well-being. And it's very interesting because when you put the amount of income and the levels of life evaluation, so you know how high would you rate your life, the life evaluation does increase steadily and you can observe a correlation there. So even if the income is very high and keeps increasing, the life evaluation also keeps increasing. However, when it comes to emotional well-being, so, you know, in other words, the frequency of experiencing pleasant feelings like joy or excitement, it increases with the amount of annual income, but only up to a point. The study found that after about $75,000 of annual income, the levels of happiness plateau, which I think is very interesting. So you might ask, why does our life evaluation keep increasing with money, but emotional well-being does not or only does up to a point? 
And I think the answer is simpler than you would expect because I think we evaluate our lives based on the comparison to the lives of others. And therefore, as we get richer and richer in comparison to others, our life will be better than the lives of, you know, the growing number of people who make less money than us. However, even though we might evaluate our lives higher and be a bit more satisfied with them than others, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that we are happier than they are when it comes to our emotional well-being. So in this study, the point of plateau was $75,000 of annual income, but this doesn't make it any kind of magical number. It is just a level in the American culture at which you can live a pretty comfortable life with your basic needs being met. But keep in mind that this number will be different in different countries and even when it comes to different people because different people need um, different things and they can be satisfied easier uh, than others. So when it comes to the question, will money make me experience pleasant feelings more frequently? So be happier just because I'm going to be smiling uh, most days. The answer is yes, but only up to a point at which you have all of your basic needs met and you are not worried about your health, your safety. You can travel every once in a while and go to the movies if you want to so this level um, of income at which you are just comfortable but after reaching that point the frequency or the increase in the frequency of these pleasant feelings will not be dependent on the amount of money you have but on different factors which I will talk about later so at the point at which you are probably knowing what kind of people listen to podcasts it's not very likely that just because you will be earning a bit more, you will be experiencing happiness more frequently. But I do also want to emphasize that life evaluation or what's sometimes called subjective well-being is still very important. I mean, I think that I don't want to be you know, perpetually giddy and worry-free, but I do want to have a life that I'm on the whole happy with but then on the other hand if I were to look at people who weren't raised in the presence of the productivity and hustle culture like for example my grandparents they would probably say that emotional well-being is much more important and this is what they think of uh, when they say that Mr. X lived a happy life they mean he experienced a lot of happiness and not started Microsoft and Tesla. So I think for me, life evaluation is important, but not because it really is important, but because I was raised in this kind of culture. So yeah, it's up to you to decide if you want to focus on subjective well-being or on emotional well-being. Maybe you want to focus on both. I think it's it's up to you. And now, I also want to get into why the levels of emotional well-being always plateau at some point. And the reason why we stop experiencing more pleasant feelings after, after earning more is something uh, that you might have heard of before, which is the law of diminishing returns. 
And in a big short, the law of diminishing returns says that the value or enjoyment we get uh, from something starts to decrease after a certain point. So it describes the fact that we quickly get used to the improvements in our lives, um, the promotion or the new car, or finally the increase in your salary. For example, if $10 used to bring you X amount of joy and now you are a millionaire, you would have to get somewhere around, I don't know, $10,000 to get the same X amount of joy. So if you take a closer look at uh, the graph of this study, uh, which you can also find in the episode description, by the way. So if you look at this graph, you can see that money brought the biggest amount of happiness to people who didn't have it before or who were earning very low income. So if as you are listening to this episode, you are not earning a lot of money and you are constantly thinking about money, it would make you happy. But uh, from, like I said, from looking at the analytics of the kind of people who listen to podcasts, I would be confident in guessing that earning more wouldn't make you as much happier in the emotional um, sense of the word as you might think. And, you know, there were a lot of studies aiming to discover a point of satisfaction with an individual's income. But as the law of diminishing returns states, we always get used to the novelty of a higher income or whatever that novelty is. And we always want more. I think it is nicely described in a book, which is called The How of Happiness, a book about what things influence our happiness. It is a book by Sonia Lubominski, I think that's the pronunciation. And she writes uh, about the people studied in one of these articles that, uh, quote, those with salaries of under $30,000 per year claim that $50,000 would thrill them, whereas those who earn more than 100000 say that they need 250000 to be satisfied if they only knew how the wealthy truly felt. In a study of 792 well-off adults, more than half reported that wealth didn't bring them more happiness and a third of those with assets greater than $10 million said that money bought more problems than it solved, unquote. So I think it is interesting if you look a couple of years back at the amount of money you used to think that would be enough or right now you can write down uh, the amount of money that you think would make you feel I don't know safe or comfortable and look back at it in a couple of years uh, because most likely that number will change with time and I think it's important to to look at the study of the wealthy people who said that being a millionaire didn't exactly make them happy, which is a cliche and we hear about it a lot and we forget about it. But, you know, I think, you know, there has to be something there. And okay, from all of these studies, we can see that after some point, money doesn't increase our emotional well-being. And so we might ask, what things or what activities bring us happiness after money doesn't anymore? What can we do to be happier when 
money is not making us happier and while there are a lot of things we can do that have been proven to significantly increase our emotional well-being and let's start with the influence of career since this episode is about money and, and money making so instead of looking for a job that is going to earn you lots of money it has been proven that doing a job that you find meaningful brings much more joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and this doesn't necessarily decrease over time so the happiness from money decreases over time but this kind of happiness that comes from doing meaningful work doesn't and meaningful work is said to be a result of a having control over your work and b getting helpful feedback and finally knowing that the work serves a higher purpose a Harvard Business Review article states that 9 out of 10 people are willing to earn less money to do more meaningful work. So in that study, it was found that on average, the surveyed American workers said that they'd be willing to forego about 23% of their entire future lifetime earnings in order to have a job that was meaningful. And I think it's um, important sign and a sad sign that a lot of people don't do uh, meaningful work and you know 23% of your entire future income I think it's a big number and a proof how people would want to um, like I said have control over their work have helpful feedback and finally know that their work serves a higher purpose but besides work, there are also other things that are proven to increase our happiness levels. And also one of them is to spend money on experiences rather than on physical possessions, which is also explained by the law of diminishing returns because we quickly get used to the possessions we accumulate. So, you know, when you buy a new car, you're happy with it for a while and makes you excited and proud. But it's not like, you know, after five months, you are getting in the car and say, wow, this car is so amazing. You know, what was once a novelty quickly becomes the norm and a part of our routine. So therefore, it is better to spend more money on experiences rather than on possessions. So experiences like taking a cooking class or on traveling or on going to the movies or on throwing a party because these experiences aren't something we quickly get used to. I mean, if you invest in different experiences which are not something that you do every day it, there will always be this sense of novelty so if you want to make sure that you your happiness levels keep increasing or just that you are happy when you are you know earning one hundred thousand dollars per year uh, invest in these experiences rather than just focusing on, on accumulating money and then spending it on positions because you are really quickly going to get used to that new tesla and also another study argues that spending money on others rather than on ourselves makes us happier and satisfied in the long run by the way you can find every source in the episode description so the authors of this study found that the participants 
who were randomly assigned to spend money on others experienced greater happiness than those assigned to spend money on themselves. And I think I can agree with that because, you know, no matter how much I am excited about my Christmas presents, giving gifts is always much more exciting and satisfying than opening the one side that I got myself. And also, uh, there's another study that I'm going to link that shows that people who volunteer are on average much, much happier people. Um, and I think that is also something, you know, if you have all the money in the world, volunteering is a way to, to increase your happiness. That is proven to work. I mean, you have all of these Bill Gates or Warren Buffett that uh, are doing philanthropy because, you know, the next billion dollars is not going to make them that much happier. So they might as well give it away and make other people happy. And lastly, although we talk about it a lot, the power of gratitude is often underappreciated when we think about how money influences happiness. So there's this study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in which the analyzed people were divided into three groups. One group wrote about the things they were grateful for that had occurred uh, during the week. A second group wrote about the daily irritations or things that had displeased them. And the third wrote about events that had affected them with no emphasis on them being positive or, or negative. And after 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. And surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than those who focused on the sources of aggravation. And I just think, you know, you can make millions and millions of dollars, but when you're not grateful for them, they don't matter. They can be just as well rocks, you know, with no value. It will not make us any more happy if we buy something just to buy it and we're not thankful. We might just as well not buy it. So I'm going to end here and, you know, let's answer the question. If money makes us happier Yes, it does, but up to a point, and after that point, there are other things that we should focus on to make ourselves happy. I hope that you are satisfied with this answer and the research I provided. Again, all of these studies will be linked in the episode description, so you can check them out, read them, and maybe have your own conclusions. Maybe the ones that I had were wrong. Uh, as always, all of your thoughts and ideas, criticisms and thank you notes uh, can be sent via email at um, podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com or you can also DM me using Instagram. And now when it comes to the insight of this week, that is going to be the paradox of originality. If you may, but you can call it whatever you'd like. Basically, I think that there are no completely original ideas. In one way, shape or form, I think everything, every masterpiece, every book you've ever read or any podcast you've ever heard 
everything in some percentage is copied from others. And I think this thought is freeing when you want to create basically anything. Because we, I at least, and I think um, a lot of people also experience a lot of anxiety when it comes to creating because sometimes you don't feel inspired and sometimes you don't have ideas and it might feel stressful and might feel like you don't want to create anything because you cannot think of anything but you have to understand that everyone steals and there is a quote which I've heard Ali Abdal say but he was also citing someone else that there are no unique messages only unique messengers and pretty much in our whole culture everything has been created and everything has been said and we can combine some thoughts and combine our ideas with ideas of others and create something which is our own but do not feel stressed because you want to create something that hasn't been talked about before because chances are it has and you know you can see uh, pictures of Van Gogh who had his inspirations and there's this whole book by Astin Kleon I think which is called Still Like an Artist about this whole concept and I haven't had the chance to read the whole thing yet I just um, flipped through it in a bookstore but I think it's very freeing to accept that it's okay to copy because you're not gonna, if you intend to, you will copy the whole thing. But chances are, if you think you would like to copy something, you will still have your own twist on it. So whatever it is that you want to start, start by copying someone. This is how we learn. This is how we learn to talk. This is how we learn to be and how I started this podcast is just by listening to other podcasts when I feel like I want to draw now I look up paintings and I copy it but then I put my own twist on the way that this rose was painted because I don't want to make the thing that they did but I'm inspired and probably they have been also inspired when they made it so I guess yeah that's my insight except that copying is absolutely fine and everyone at some point copied their work and even if it is a masterpiece some percentage of it was copied from someone else's work even if that work was the work of nature there is no shame in finding a quote or reading a book and I don't know making a YouTube video about it if that is what you would like to do online then you can do it and don't be stressed about this whole originality um, myth I guess so that has been my insight I hope it was helpful and I hope this whole episode was helpful and I want to thank you so much for listening to it and I will speak to you in the next one.
Being Better is written, edited, and produced by Julia Shpur. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the show notes or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the show notes, or you can just search Being Better Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one is just to tell your friends and family about the show. Tell them that you enjoy it and that they should listen to it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.